everybody, it's me, Katie Soros. And yes, hi, hello, it's me, hey, Guru. You do, you went right into it. There was no banter. Well, I was going to was... do like a welcome back to season three. Season three. Our season break is over. We welcome for... <laughs> to season three of Infinite <laughs> Quest podcast. We forgot to tell you that we were ending season two, but, and also taking a break. We forgot. We listened back to the last podcast and we went, oh, we forgot. We forgot to tell you. know how them. John Oliver always says at the end, he's like, we'll be back on like July 28th. And we didn't do that part. We made a note. <laughs> there was a post-it. A post-it existed, but we didn't read the post-it. Yeah, did you not see the post-it, everybody? Can, can not yeah, everybody see, not see the, post-it? the post-its on my desktop so monitor? The, so that was where we... Well, there was a lot. A lot has happened. A lot has happened. There was, in order, there was COVID... There was a COVID. Oh, we're starting. Oh, and you mean a case of COVID? Or like, are well, we just going back no, two years? No, like you got COVID. I got COVID, Eric yes. got COVID. I got COVID. Uh, and then, unfortunately, I had a friend pass away. Uh, and then I have some medical things going on. I'm not going to say what they think it is because everybody's going to freak out if I say it out loud. But I have some things going on. Uh, and then my mom got COVID. And it's just been a whole thing. Yeah. But by process of elimination, the last few people I know who got COVID were Eric and my mom. So put two and two together. Eric, did you make out with me? Oh, I did not think that would ever be said on the podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was sort of, so we've been out of, I was like, for, I was like free, free thinking. I was like, oh, Eric. And the, that got weird. I'm sorry. We for the record. Really- no, That's, I was not making you. out with your mom. I appreciate that. Yeah, and then your, uh, your, your, well, I don't know what they are, manager people, I don't know, were like, hey, you both should take two weeks off of TikTok just so you can, like, cool down. Reset. Reset and not, like, you know, stress yourselves out. A friend of mine once said to me, like, the best, the best way to, to do, like, the best pace to take is the one that you can maintain. And I think we were like going hard for a while. And so, yeah, your team was like, all right, just take two weeks. Just forget TikTok exists. Do other stuff. It was um, really hard. And so we did. And then that much now like it's, podcasting with a dog in the office. But then the week after that was the week before Questcraft season two, baby. Shout out to Questcrafters. Um, launch. So I spent the whole week getting set up for launch. So now this is the fourth week of being off TikTok. And it's like, it's I got to get back into it. It's too long. Um, and we took the season break for the podcast, which I'm we glad did. for. Um, I feel... We took like a mental health break and a season break and a COVID break and a convention break. There was... It was a long... It was that a lot was of breaks. Lot. But I feel good about things. Yeah, me too. I, I feel like we're in a new era. Yes, we are. There's a new light in the thing. The era of always having a dog in the, in the office when <laughs> exactly. we're making a podcast who will always choose the loudest toy right when we start recording. Yeah, she really does. How you doing, Bales? You good? Good. Good, I'm glad. Um, but good. yeah, so Questcraft is up. I spent last week setting everything up. Um, for those of you who don't know, Questcraft is the Infinite Quest Minecraft server. Wow. Um, if you would like to join, it is whitelisted, so we don't just let everybody in, but if you would like to join, please feel free to email us at ask at infinitequestpodcast.com and, uh, you know, perhaps you can be on the, the old server Reno. Maybe. Play um, some Minecraft with... I would say me and Eric, but the real truth is I don't really play Minecraft so much as I just wander around <laughs> in like a direction and then I hoard my diamonds like an angry like smaug and I get really mad if I have to use them for anything. And then that's how I play Minecraft. It's very healthy. I think it's pretty good, um, but it's 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 really fun. I think just seeing everybody's different play styles, because like Minecraft is one of those games where it doesn't tell you what the goal is it's not like there's an enemy over there go kill them it's like 
you, you know, I'll f- find myself spending like two hours being like, I need sand. I need all of the sand. I need every sand. And it's I like, I got well, a lot of sand by my base, but also I set up so close to spawn. I'm a little bit embarrassed. You'll be fine. Like, I feel fun. like I was like the little kid who like didn't want to like, like fly away too far away from home. Like I'm a little baby <laughs> bird. So I just, I took like a really close island and now I'm embarrassed about it. It's okay. And well, do, do you know who makes the rules on the server? Is it, it you? Is me. So. Yeah. It's okay. Fine. <laughs> You're fine. Cool. Um, but I really love seeing everybody's different play styles because, like, the game is whatever it is you want it to be. So, like, some people are very technical players who like investing a lot of time and energy and resources. <laughs> Bailey. Um, Bailey, did you just like Bailey found find the a one gun? toy that is loud in this room? She did. Wow, she's really on one. Um, I'm gonna put her in the hall. Okay. No dogs allowed while we're podcasting. Do, 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 do. Here you go, bud. Here you go, buddy. I love you. Dog, colon, handled. Um, <laughs> I gentle parent my dog. You do. It's a very lot nice. Of, a lot of people judge me, I think, for that. But it's, I think I like to think it, it makes a difference. I think it does. I think it really does. She's got a strong bond with you. Yeah, strong she bond. Just, she just follows me around. Um, but I really like seeing uh, people's different play styles like, come together. But not just that, but also see how they interact. Um, because in a server where you can literally do anything, like you can build anything, you can take anything, you can do whatever, um, having, you know, 80, uh, neurodivergent people all doing their thing. Um, it's really cool to see sort of like the play style ecosystems emerge where like, for example, like pool shoe, shout out to pool shoe. Hello. Um, uh, their faction, they've split it up. Um, so she's got, what she calls like the dig rats, which I think is hilarious, which are the people who like mining. So like they are the people who like dig down and they just mine resources all the time. She has like the adventurers who just like go out and find like weird stuff that the otherwise wouldn't have gotten, you know, um, she's got the builders. She's got um, the farmers who just like their whole thing is just food, making sure there's food for the faction, which is like she has like 20 people in her faction. Um, so it's like such a beautiful way of like integrating all these different play styles into one thing, which you don't have to do. Um, but I don't know, like every time I, I think because we only had one season of Questcraft so far, um, I didn't, you know, one isn't enough to recognize a trend, but like after the set, the start of the second season, I'm realizing like one of my favorite things about it is watching those ecosystems emerge and watching those play styles interact. Um, I don't know. And, and, uh, it got me thinking about life, Katie. Did it? About how we all have our different processes and stuff like that. But I think gaming gaming brings that <laughs> out of us in a very immediate way, which I think is very gratifying to watch. I really enjoy that you're like, yeah, you know, like Polshu has like an entire faction. And I was like, I caught two fish. I did. I caught two fish. And I was going to try and make the fish make more fish, but I don't know how to do that. In you Minecraft. should you should join my faction. I'm in Tay's yeah. faction. You should join. Shout out to Tay. Hi. I already told Tay that I would join his faction, but I can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where it is. You should. Well, you should. One, you should do whatever you want. I but built if you want, a you can... house in a mushroom, and I don't want to leave because it's it's. I like it there. It's cozy. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> well, before you could be our you could be our adventurer who like goes I, and finds weird stuff. Yeah. That's yeah, I could do that. I could be I just like I just need I need some food. I'm about to I have half a heart. I'm going to starve to death. Well, you got to join a faction. I know I have fish. I have a bucket. It's great. Fish. Dude, a bucket. Where'd you get a bucket? I made it. You got iron. Nice. Yeah, Solid. It. But it's interesting that you talk about different play styles because I learned something. 
fucking fascinating about TTRPGs the other day. What's that? Is that it stands for tabletop role-playing? What? Just, just in case there's a listener who doesn't know what TTRPG stands for, it stands for tabletop role-playing. There you I go. Now you don't have to ask. stood for terribly Tuesday Ronald Paul Green. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what that was. I'm sorry. I didn't have anything. But is I was Ronald like, Paul Green a real person? Or? I don't know. If just, your name is Ron Paul Green, please, please send us an email at InfiniteQuestPodcast.com. <laughs> um, somebody has to know. So Ron Paul Green. Ron Paul Green. Somebody has to. Maybe that's like the the least popular Green brother. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Well, Hank, John, and Ron. <laughs> was thinking if like Hank married uh, a surprisingly conservative senator. Yeah. Then it could be. Then he would be Ron Paul Green. No. Or I guess Ron Paul's not a senator. Hank Green is too good to do that. Yeah. No, 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 Gross. No. Uh, what okay. did you learn about tabletop RPG? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So this is a thing. Okay. So you know how we have been talking a lot about like neurodivergent inclusivity and like accessibility in play, which is like a thing where like we like, I know that I'm telling you, but I'm like contextualizing this for the people who might not know. We Sorry, go around, by play, do you mean like play, like, like game play? Yeah. Like TTRPGs. Gotcha. Play means two different things. And depending on which yes. audience we're well, talking to. I mean, but I mean, it's still the same thing because yeah, fair, fair, um, fair. play is play. It's just sometimes you're playing board games and sometimes you're playing dungeon master, but, <laughs> uh, but okay. So, so, you know, so this thing, and so one of the things that I've really been struggling with is that I get a lot of questions about role playing in tabletop role playing games. Mm -hmm. I just realized you made that joke and then I made my joke and well, I was like, now there's I'm a lot do of similar entire... language. Yeah. There's a lot of similar language. Sorry. I interrupted you. It's okay. It's fine. But anyway. Okay. So, there a lot of the questions I get are about role playing, and like in my brain, I was like, "Well, role playing is role playing. Like you just play the role you role play." It turns out, Eric, that there are two very specific factions, um, schools of thought on role play in tabletop role playing games, <laughs> and I think this is like one of the most goddamn interesting things that I've ever heard. So, faction one are like the role players, right? You've got like your actors. You've got the like, I'm coming to the table with my backstory and I know what my character is wearing and like, you know, and I'm going to do like a voice and like an accent or like whatever, right? Faction two is like the gamers, the people who are like, this is like a structured like mechanic by which like we can defeat the dragon or like win the game or even to a certain extent and like for the for the purposes of this conversation like for neurodivergent people like have a structured way of communicating and a structured way of like having character-based discussions but there's not like acting there's not like a voice or a backstory it's just we're in a dungeon and my character does this right this baffles me it's very cool it's well i mean and one of the things is i think it like it made a lot of things make sense because like a lot of the questions that i get about role play i admittedly very sort of like incorrectly always just took to be like kind of acting questions right like struggling with role play is struggling with acting 
I was wrong and I'm willing to completely admit that I was wrong, but it's because I only hang out with role players. Like I only hang out with people who are like doing the, like taking the role playing part of the game very seriously. But there is apparently a lot of tension. There's like a lot of tension and a lot of um, division between the acting faction and the like mechanic faction. And I think that is a fascinating allegory for communicating as a neurodivergent person. Like whether or not you look at it as like the neuro, like I'm not saying it's like a neurotypicals versus like neurodiverse situ or neurodivergent situation, but I think it's really, really interesting because what happens is you are a role player. You're here with your tragic backstory and your, you know, binder full of notes and your, you know, costume or whatever. And you rock up to a table of mechanics players who are the, just there to like have fun and roll dice and play this game. And you ha and everybody has a bad time or the mechanic person comes to a table full of role players and feels like very awkward and like they're not as good of a player and they're like not fitting in. And I was like, that's a really good. I think. I know I said it already, but like allegory for like neurodivergency, where it's like everybody at the table can be playing the same game. But if you just understand the game differently than the people around you, that is really going to impact like how you communicate and how you delve into things and like what you focus on and what you don't focus on and like the things that are important to you and what are not important to you. And that's so interesting. Yeah, I guess the, the question that that begs is what do you then do if you have a single table with a lot of those different types of players? I mean, I imagine the first thing is, is understanding where each player is coming from, because if you're assuming that a role playing character, if you, you know, if you're a mechanical player and you're assuming that another player at the table is or every other player at the table is also a mechanical player, but really like half of them are role playing characters, then you're just going to be like confused and frustrated the whole time. Yeah. Whereas if you understood like, oh, I'm a mechanical player, you know, that guy's a mechanical player. She's a role playing character, you know, like it would, you know, you would at least have a place to to start. Yeah. You know, so I guess the question is, how do you sit down at a table and then play together effectively? Yeah. And by effectively, I mean such that everybody has a good time. Yeah. Well, I think. That ultimately, I mean, that's like a much larger conversation that sort of like breaks the allegory because what it then becomes is like, well, the DM is responsible for a lot of it. You I know, like, that's true. Like, yeah. the, you know, like, but unfortunately, well, I mean, some of us have DMs. I brought it back around to the King <laughs> you jokes. Did. You're oh, welcome. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I guess because, you know, if I want to stick with the, the analogy, like, which I do. You know, we're all on let's let's just get real heady with it. Let's just zoom way out. Like if we're all here on Earth, us people, you know, if you go out in the world assuming, you know, that everybody thinks of exactly the way that you do, you're going to be confused and frustrated all yeah. the time. But if you understand like, oh, there are many different ways of thinking about all sorts of stuff, then you at least have a place to start. I think I guess the the, the difference is that there's not really like a DM in the real world. I mean, you yeah. could, you know, believe in God, but you can't like get it, you know, like call a rule into question and get an answer immediately. <laughs> you know, like you can't. Okay. Do that type but of direct hear me stuff. out. What if you called the Pope and you were like, <laughs> that's true. 
uh, excuse me, Pope, I just want some clarification. Okay, when you're casting Fireball, <laughs> it says a 60-foot sphere, but my character only casts in squares. <laughs> I want that to happen so desperately. I want someone to call the Pope and clarify a Dungeons & Dragons rule. Just to see what the Pope says. I mean, yeah, and, and plus, you know... The... If you have the Pope's phone number, please email us at ask at infantquestpodcast.com. <laughs> I think everybody has the post. That's that's the whole point. You just kind of like close you your eyes and call kneel the and, and pray, and you know. Well, no, that's talking to God. You're talking to God. You're yeah, not talking to the Pope. The, yeah, yeah. You got to call like Francis, dog. <laughs> you gotta call Francis. Just, is just... Francis still the Pope? I don't honestly know. Yeah, it's Pope. It's still Pope Francis. Okay, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I was like, I've been I've been out of the game for a long time. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think like the real truth though is like there's like a really interesting. I think perspective to be had of like there is a different understanding in the tabletop role-playing game community of like what even is role-playing and that's so interesting to me because like again like i am fully willing to admit that i was wrong but like my understanding of what role-playing in is has always sort of like informed how i navigated through games mm -hmm. you know and so it's like but if somebody is like, no, 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 I don't want to do the voice. I don't want to do the acting or whatever. Like they have just as much right to be there and just as much right to to have a good you know, time at the table. So, yeah. So the answer to that is like, how do you facilitate it? And yeah. I think my answer is twofold. I think one is I hate compromise because compromise always feels like somebody is ultimately losing. Like everybody's giving up something, you know, which sucks. But I think that like there is also something to be said about like sort of like finding your people and finding your table, you know, because like I don't think I would have a very good time with a with a table full of like mechanics players like I want the opportunity to like do the, you know, character voice and like do the the big monologue or whatever. But if everyone's just going to kind of look at me and being like your monologue has no bearing on whether or not we defeat this dragon like this is just sort of like spice on on the on the top. I think I would be sad because I would feel like I was losing something from my experience. Um, and so I think a big part of the answer has to do with finding your community and finding people who sort of accept your, you know, if you're doing the direct sort of analogy of neurodivergency to role playing, um, you know, but like, ex like understand and can facilitate your specific brand of role playing which is why I think that commute. Well, I know that I just said community is important. I completely forgot. What I was Oh no, I know what I was going to say. I was like, I was thinking about how we haven't done a podcast in a really long time, but then also you have your blue light on and your tools are glowing really funny. And I was looking at that and thinking about that and also trying to make a point at the same time. It's fine. Anyway, what I was trying to say <laughs> is that I think things like having a community things like tiktok things like twitch things like the gaming community itself things like conventions those are really important because it helps us not only find our people but also be exposed to people who are different than us who look at role-playing or neurodivergency or whatever in a very different way and i think that's fascinating because it's like you might have a completely different perspective doesn't mean either of you are right or either of you is wrong. But what it does mean is that you have the opportunity to maybe understand 
or try to do something in a way that you might not have done before. And that's neat. It is. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think, and I think seeking, seeking to understand is a goal in itself. Like, um, have you ever been doing a thing or yes, like at the beginning I've of done a thing, a couple of good, things, making sure, good. um, or like, <laughs> you know, you show up at a party or you go on a date or you just do a thing that has some duration. And right at the beginning, you're like, this is going to be the worst fucking thing that has ever happened. <laughs> like, oh no, but you're in it and you're like, all right, here we are what I always fall back to on is just to try to like explore the situation, like poke at it and, mm -hmm. and prod, just try to like understand how it works and stuff like that. So too, like if I'm ever, I've only ever played like a couple D and D sessions where I thought it was bad because the characters or the players were just so much mismatched and were there yeah. for very different reasons. Um, and in those, in during those sessions, I immediately just fall back on like, all right, try to understand what that other player, why are they doing that? What what do you think they get out of it? Like what, yeah. how are they thinking of these things? Like, um, uh, you know, if you have like a really technical player um, who, uh, you know, let's say you need a key from a, 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 a bartender at a tavern or something like that. Um, one player might try to, charm them one player might try to intimidate them one player might just try to kill them and take it you know um but the person making whether or not they do the big flowery speech or whatever by deciding which avenue they're going to take they're still role-playing like internally they're still thinking okay what would my character do and they're inhabiting that space perhaps um and i i think i have a real appreciation for that because Ultimately, I understand the the urge to make things efficient. So, like, if I'm going to try to intimidate the bartender to get the key, I could do a whole speech. But ultimately, I'm just going to roll and I might succeed or, or fail. Um, so I get the urge to, like, cut out all the fluff to just to just, you know, beeline. Um, and I also understand that that could be a form of role playing for that person too, just internally thinking about what would my my character do. Um, and so now when I see a person play that way. That's what I think of. I don't think of like, oh, that sucked. I would hate that. I think about how the status, where are they drawing satisfaction from? Um, so anyways, I, whenever I f fall into those situations where I'm like just mismatched with other players, and I mean that literally like in a gaming sense, but also like just in life, yeah. um, I just try to understand like what's going on in there. You know, why are you yeah. making the decisions that you're making? What are you getting out of this? Would yeah. I do the same thing if I was a person like you i'll never know because i'm not a person like you but it's fun to think about you know well and i Form also of role playing in itself in fact. <laughs> i also think like there's there's something really familiar about like being the only neurodivergent person at the table right or like but like you know the only neurodivergent person at the office or the only neurodivergent person in book club or the only neurodivergent person at the play group or like whatever and so i think that in those moments too like if we think of it like a game not to like trivialize it but just sort of like to continue the um i keep saying allegory and I that's it's the analogy, wrong word yeah. the analogy i don't know but why hey, you know whatever it's fine but i think like one of the big things that we talk about a lot is just communication like honest and vulnerable communication and i think that is like that's one of those places where no matter how you're playing you as the player have like a really powerful opportunity to be like, hey, 
these are my needs. These are my wants. This is what I need to like be successful here, like whatever. And I think when you, when you really start thinking about, I don't know, like kind of thinking about it as a game, like almost makes it easier because it's like, okay, well, like how do I get the key from the bartender, but it's, you know, get the permission slip signed in the most efficient way without (laughs) having to have an uncomfortable conversation with the, you know, super cringy parents that I don't want to have a conversation with, you know, like that kind of thing. And I, I like, I don't know, but I'm just like, I'm just so fascinated with this idea of like, and I know I'm doing a really bad job of trying to communicate about communication, which I think is beautifully (laughs) ironic, but like, well, I think so because the point is to at least try. Yeah. But like, I'm just fascinated by this like idea of like communication, both as like in like TTRPG spaces as like player and character, but then also like communication in, you know, just like normal life spaces, like neurodivergent person and then just like person existing because like our neurodivergency is like always part of us, like our, you know, whatever your particular diagnosis is dear listener you know like it's always part of you but you're still a person in the world you know and so it's like i don't know i have no idea i just have like a lot of like big brain energy right now and like nowhere to put it <laughs> so i'm just throwing it at you and i have no idea what i'm talking about no i agree I, I i think one of the best tools a person can have a person of any stripe um can have is is the ability to decide to find something interesting um be interested be interested um is the ability to decide to find something interesting, even though you don't know how you're going to find it interesting to start. Like I think of like sports, I grew up around a lot of sports and I just don't give a shit about sports. Um, But I would end up watching a lot of football just because it was around. And so my best option was to figure out how to find football interesting, like not knowing anything about it. And indeed I, now I find football super interesting. And so if it's ever on, I'm like, cool, like let's watch this thing. Um, so too, I think when we're in situations in which, uh, in which, you know, play styles are mismatched or again, to continue the analogy in which your neurodivergency is well, divergent from (laughs) the other people in, in, in this situation. Um, I think being able to decide to find that situation interesting, even, even if, which is hard to do when you're, how, how do I say it? I, it's just hard to do when your neurodivergency is being inflamed in one way or another. Yeah. Like, for example, if I'm in like, it's been a while, but like when I was in school watching like a lecture and it was just the least ADHD friendly <laughs> lecture, like nothing going on, just a big block of text on the thing, monotone voice. Like, it's hard to be like, how the fuck am I supposed to up the stimulus of this situation by finding it interesting? Um so it's it's really hard to do, but I think with practice it's doable. Yeah. Um. And I think you know similarly, if you're with just another person who is not conducive to your neurodivergency being okay, you know, sort of inflames your neurodivergency, it's really hard to to be empathetic with that person or at least find them objectively interesting. Um. But I think I'm I'm convinced that it's doable. I have faith that it's doable <laughs> and worth also- doing. I do feel like I need to caveat one thing because I was like I was re-listening to this episode in my head while you were talking because I'm a good listener like you do. I know. Um, But I was like, I just realized, though. When I talk about role playing, I'm talking about like sort of like a facsimile or like a microcosm of like communication. I'm not talking about masking. 
because mm, I think like mm, a lot of people yeah. could look and say like, well, role like masking is essentially role playing. Like you are role playing as like, I don't want to say like a normal person, but like a person who is not overwhelmed at the grocery store or whatever. And I think like there can be use for that. But like I am a big proponent of like, I think less masking is sometimes better. But mm. I also know that sometimes like masking is a absolute social survival sort of mechanism and everybody masks to a certain extent but like i'm talking about like specifically communication yeah being the person at the table not hiding who you are being who you are that's the difference yeah absolutely at least honoring who you are you know like there are a lot of times when i know i have to behave very differently than how i would if i just could behave however i want but I, in those moments, I like to acknowledge that it was a conscious choice to do that, you know, yeah. like, especially in like, uh, I don't know, uh, when I was when I was a cook, we would have like menu meetings every day. So like the head chef would sit down and we'd all sit around the table with our like clipboards and take notes on the specials and all that stuff. And uh, I remember I was kind of frustrated that like how how much energy I had to put into making it look like I was paying attention like because paying attention isn't enough you have to look like you're paying attention so that the chef isn't nervous all night because they didn't think you were paying attention and I was frustrated with that um but then I realized like wait a minute I'm deciding to do that though like I'm still the one with agency here yeah you know like yeah. I'm deciding deliberately deciding to do that because I know you know I don't have to it's not like I'm gonna get fired if I don't it's just I'm deciding to use this tool in my toolbox um, and doing that or thinking about it that way um, really helps me when I have to, like, deliberately tamp down, <laughs> like, my my more prominent hyperactive ADHD symptoms. It's like, it's, it's kind of cool. It's like, you know, I'm like a spy or something like that. <laughs> you know, like, I'm deliberately using my training, you know. Role playing. Role playing, yeah, exactly. As a spy. Um, how do you feel about coming back to podcasts, sweetheart? Well, I feel like we crushed this. We'll see you in six months for season four. Bye, everybody. <laughs> it's been real. This is the best episode we've ever done, and it totally made sense 100% of well, the time. I think it definitely was like, you know... I know what I mean, but I don't think anybody else is going to. No, I think I, I think you were... I think, uh, like, I'm just really interested in it. Yeah, I also I also think this is like... You know, normally we have like a couple days between episodes to like talk about what we've been thinking about and stuff. Now we have like a month of like stuff we've been thinking about. So it's, it's all just like, like a lot of a lot of brain thoughts.